Sings hello and welcome to a brand new. Oh, I guess she's still here. A brand new episode <laughs> of Hot Marriage, Cool Parents. That's my that's my daughter, Monkey Grace. She speaks in a different language. No mm. one else's language. No one will ever decode what she's saying. No, but. We do have a brand new review of Married at First Sight from my parents, which I'm super excited about because this is by far one of the most explosive Married at First Sight starts to a season, in my opinion. for sure. Yes. But first, before we get on my parents, and then we have an amazing guest, we love giving our five-star reviewers a shout out. And we do love hearing from you. So we do read everything and you'll hear my daughter and my wife having a conversation as we're recording. But this five-star reviewer comes from JJT782, who writes, best episode ever. You guys, I've been exploring the idea of intuitive eating for weeks now, and Anna really aligns with my evolving thought process. I listen to you weekly, and this was the topic that resonated with me the most. I'm not a parent, and our lifestyles are not similar so often. While I love listening to your topics and journeys, I'm not always able to instantly connect to your episodes. This episode made me feel more of a connection, so thank you. Oh, that's really sweet. Uh, Yeah, we really enjoyed having Anna on. And quite frankly, a lot of the body positivity and a lot of the messaging that we've been exploring now is is just really listening to your body and not holding food on a pedestal and really just loving who you are and being comfortable with who you are. And uh, I think that gave us a whole new perspective on food, how we treat food, how we think of food, and what makes us feel good. But Jamie right now, and and we are always fully transparent, we're recording this now at 10 p.m. And Henley just woke up and came into the room and was crying. She actually got her finger stuck in the door stopper, the little spring on the bottom. So she was screaming, crying, and then she came in and she sees that we're awake and she wants to stay awake. And now she's crying. So Jamie went to go get her. But we do have my parents coming on shortly. So we have my parents do a recap of Married at First Sight each week, which has been a phenomenal segment. My mom always has the funniest conversations on the phone. And we said, you know what? Hold your recap. Let's just record it on the podcast. And it's been amazing so far. But without further ado, just because this is one of the most highly requested segments of Hot Marriage Cool Parents, having my parents on, Bonnie and Doug, Hi, Mom. Hello. How are you? Doing good. How are you? I'm fine, too. Don't worry. Hey, Dad. (laughs) So yesterday was episode, well, I guess it was the second day of honeymoon. Right, James? Second day of the honeymoon. Yep. You know that 
uh, famous movie Forrest Gump? Yes. Okay, well, I would tell Paige, run, Paige, run! <laughs> run, Forrest, after, run! After watching it yesterday. Well, I, I think like, Chris said a lot of sweet things, though. He's saying that she's the queen and he's going to put her I first. That. And he said that she's above his child. Come on. I well, don't know. She has to be really... I just don't understand her. You know, and the funny thing about it, we were talking yesterday after watching it, and we said, watch. Just watch those two make it. As, you know, different as can be the problems she has faced already, you know, and how she's taken it in stride. I mean, you know, she you really have not seen anger in her at all. And, no. Um, that's why I always say, watch, watch them work through all of this and stay married. I would be shocked to hell, but, you know, stranger things have happened. Okay, so for everyone listening, let's rewind a little bit because not everyone has seen the episode. So just, oh, okay. just to let you know, so Married at First Sight this season is airing. As you know, we're recapping it every week with my amazing in-laws, Doug and Bonnie. And last night's episode of Married at First Sight was literally the most shocking episode in all of Married at First Sight history. Like nothing can top this. The husband, Chris, who has been married to his wife, Paige, for three days, drops a bombshell on her lap saying that his ex-fiance is pregnant. And when someone says, well, is it yours? He is immediately offended and says, you know, essentially says, of course it is. That's so rude. Like, why would you ask that question? And exactly, exactly. And that's who we're talking about. The sad situation of that was now I'm sure just like you guys went through a few months of interviews and stuff like that, things, homework that you had to do to get prepared for this. Now she's only six weeks pregnant supposedly. Right. And um, so he had to be with her right before he got married. And did you yeah. hear him say yesterday, well, her father died, so it was a sympathy get-up, you know, <laughs> hook-up. A sympathy hook-up. I mean, he is a gentleman. He is a very, very nice oh, guy. Yeah, he's a, he's a real gentleman. Real gentleman. Yeah, I... So I tell you, I look forward to their episode every week. I, know. I just want to see, you know, she she really is a very nice person. I mean, I don't know how anybody could be that nice for so many episodes. She just really, really is nice. That's why I call her Lala. Yeah, well, they have the power of the experts. And something that does help out a lot of couples on Married at First Sight is they really do force the conversation out there. They pound it. They ask the same questions. And you have to talk it out over and over again. And And I think... By them talking it out and not keeping anything internal, especially now where they're kind of like stuck together. I don't want to say it like that, like they're stuck together, but they are forced right now to be with each other because they're essentially on a honeymoon vacation. It's not like they could just go home and take a break. You know, it's they are going to work it out. And I think she's taken the approach as, you know, there's the experts match them for some reason. She is God fearing. So, you know, this is part of God's plan and a test for her. And I don't know how many more tests she's going to be able to take. And I think that yeah, she was uh, unbelievable. Exactly. That's yeah. what I'm saying. You know, she's just too nice. And the weird thing about it is that, you know, like I said, when I was talking with daddy and we even said, watch at the end of the show, they'll stay married. You know, it wouldn't put it past me that they uh, stay married. 
But my thumb is still down, Doug. Sorry. My thumb is still down. Well, what makes you think they're going to stay married? Because honestly, I kind of don't think, I mean, I hope that they don't stay married because it seems like his head is not, I don't know. Like, I, it just doesn't seem like they're a good match. No, it doesn't seem like they're a good match either. And I'm surprised that, you know, if you watch the episode, the producers got involved in it. And I'm surprised that the experts didn't come to her and say, look, we had no idea you were going to have to face this. And, I'm sure know. they didn't either. I mean, there's no way for the experts to know that ahead of time. And I, that's what I was going to kind of defend them on that because there's no telling that this much will happen right in the beginning because they're really going off your word and off your personality and assessments exactly, and things like that. Exactly. I would think at some point, you know, between episodes and stuff, the experts will step in and say something. I mean, that's not fair. She signed up for something true, you know, yeah. and she seems like she's into it for all the right reasons. Well, I mean, there's, you know, time will tell with them too. And I don't think we've ever had a married at first sight couple that had that many red flags within, you know, a two day exactly. period. Exactly. So it'll be, oh my goodness. there'll definitely be a couple but to watch. I look forward now to, to each uh, Wednesday. So real quick to recap, you heard my ongoing about Chris and Paige. Yes. My thumb is going downward to Haley and Jacob. I mean, he is so truly boring. Oh, my <laughs> God, he's so boring. He only talks about working out and steak and eggs. Like, I think that's their conversation every day. I know. it. It's just so sad. It really, really is so sad. Because she seems like such an outgoing, fun-loving, you know. Oh, God, I feel bad for her. So my thumb is starting to go down for them. Was it ever up for them? And, uh, no, my my son is sideways. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, it's not up and it's not down. It's in the middle. But, you know, since the last episode, it's starting its way down. Because he better get a better personality <laughs> than what he has. Because, really, they ain't going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> and then my thumb is still straight ahead for Eric and Virginia. You think that they have a chance? I I did not like him in the beginning. I truly, truly did not like him in the beginning. I thought he was geeky. I think he's, you know, coming around now, I think he's very nice. And I think he's mature, you know, and he really, really, really wants this to work. I I just hope she matures a little bit. You know, that's what I hope she matures a little bit. The biggest thing. Drinking and stuff, you know, it's a little bit much. She definitely does not deny that she loves to party. But the biggest thing for me about her and him from last night is the fact that she says she has a lot of guy friends. And he was like, oh, you can't have a guy friend if you have, you know, don't start putting, you know, that jealousy will wreck in a minute. Oh, exactly. And I'm actually really proud of her because she's younger. As everyone knows, she's younger, like, I I don't know, early 20s, I think. And she was like... Oh, that's not that young, actually. But um, she was like, no, she's putting her foot down. Like, no, I can have guy friends and him being jealous is not going to be okay because he was saying that she can't be friends with anyone unless they're gay or they're like her friend's boyfriend. Yeah, that was cute. That was really cute. Couldn't believe it. Yeah. Couldn't believe he said that. 
and like she just did such a good job at staying cool but then also being like i don't think so i have yeah, guy friends exactly. that doesn't mean they want to exactly. sleep with me and so i thought that was really cool that she was really not going to just crumble under him and then when yeah, she exactly. and i'm sure you know once they move in together or whatever and he meets her friends and she meets his friends his friends will be you know probably a little boring <laughs> but uh, she'll have plenty of time. He's out 15 days of the month, so she can plan her party and then. Yeah, know? hopefully he doesn't get jealous if she's out partying while he's away at work. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. He'll have that in the back of his mind. Yeah, she's out partying with all her guy friends while he's flying a flight someplace. <laughs> That's it. Uh, that, well, just think of all the stewardesses he has to look at. So. That's true. But... um yeah. So the other couple is Brinsett and Viana, or Brinsett and Viana, Vincent and Brianna. What do you think of them? I really like them. You know, my son has from the very beginning been up for them. But, you know, it's still so early. It's still just so early. I mean, we've already seen Chris and Paige, you know. I mean, they're crazy. Yep. But we haven't seen any drama, really, with the other couples. I'm waiting for one to get mad at the other. You know, and how they handle it and everything. But I think I like Brianna and Vincent. I think they're a very, very cute couple. Yeah, they're a really, really. cute couple. Uh, interesting to know, though, that Brianna was like, I would leave Chris. Like, he would be gone. Like, we would be divorced. And, you know, she's like, I'm going to support Paige regardless. But I think she's kind of yeah. shocked that Paige is sticking around Chris's side. And interesting to know that if she had been matched with Chris, it would be game over. So that's just, like, oh, yeah. interesting. It would be game over for me, too. Oh, same. Are you kidding me? <laughs> of course. Uh, I mean, as soon as he said that and this and that, my bags would be packed. And I'd say, you know, thank you, experts, but uh, no thank you. Yeah, but same. That was very, 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 I don't want to say incentive. I, I don't know the word. It's not coming to me right this minute, but that was really wrong of Chris to even go through with the marriage. Yeah. It just was really wrong because that woman was too, you know, it wasn't long enough. How do you go from loving somebody, being in, engaged and everything else? Okay, so you broke up and then boom, you signed up to get married. Just something is just wrong. Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, the day of their wedding, she goes, oh, it looks like a fresh tattoo. And he goes, yeah, I had to cover up my ex-fiance's name because she was tattooed on my body. Like, um, the ink is still wet. Like, this is an issue. <laughs> There's one last couple. Exactly, Clara. My, my thumb is still up for Clara and Ryan. I'm waiting for them to say they did the deed. <laughs> that might be next. <laughs> well, I don't know to think about them, though, because he comes from a very religious, you know, his parents are ministers, and he really believes in his kids going to church, and she's made it very clear that she was kind of wronged in church, and, yeah, and she wants to let yeah. her kids make their own decision. That could really ruin a relationship. That really could, you know, but I think in that respect, he'll be willing to negotiate. You know, how many marriages are where father says, okay, I'm Jewish, you're Christian, but I'm Jewish, we'll raise the kids Jewish, you know, and that's all fine and good. That's true. And then at some point, maybe the wife wants to convert. Or vice versa, you know, where somebody's Catholic, the other one's Presbyterian. Okay, we'll take our kids to Catholic church. You know, you don't have to go if you don't want to, but I will take the kids to church. You know, they work it yeah. out. 
So I think they seem to be the same religion. So uh, I think they'll compromise. I really, really think they'll compromise. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I hope so anyways. But yeah, yeah, I mean, the season has just begun and it's already like a roller coaster. Holy moly. And the previews, did you see the previews? It looks like there's going to be a fight between Chris and Eric, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, it looked like Eric has a little bit too much to say. It shouldn't be Eric's business unless he's asked about it, you know? Yeah, that's very true. But yeah. uh, we'll have to see how that argument starts. He doesn't think so. He's 38, and that's kind of late. No, up. he's 34. I thought he was 38. No, that's the other guy. That's Mr. Personality. Oh. Jacob is 38. He's uh, 30. 34. Jake is 38? Yeah. 38. What the heck's he doing? And Haley is 28. Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah, that's but why I'm still, saying. The, you know, the other one, the pilot, Eric, I think he's around 34, he's 36. And she's 26. There's 10 years difference. And, you know, he's like coming on like this fatherly person. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, the rules are going to be bad. You know, you're just going to turn your daughter bad. She's going to be against you, but only at this time it's your wife. Yeah, it's, he's weird. But my son is still in the middle for them. You know, she has to grow up a little bit, and he has to loosen his, uh, you know. Trousers. Trousers. <laughs> <laughs> that was a dumb thing to say, Doug. Well, I got to finish your sentences. Nah, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I can see you guys are having a happily married evening together. <laughs> oh, leaning right against me. You had a spitting on my hand. <laughs> <laughs> he loves it. He loves it. He loves it. <laughs> uh, God, no COVID here. <laughs> yeah, Monday we go for our shot. Can't oh. wait. All right, and then you guys are coming yeah. down here to hang out with us, right? That's yeah. it. Sounds good. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for recapping Married at First Sight. The fans love to hear from you. So, and everybody listening oh here, they love you guys. Uh, Doug just got back from putting Henley back to sleep. Love you. We love you guys. I love you guys. Bye for now. Always, always love hearing from my parents. And it's been tough being down in Florida and not being able to see them on the regular. Uh, if I'm being completely honest, it's having them watch Henley and or Hendrix to give us a break. Yeah. Okay, but let's bring Mary on because this guest, you're going to feel so inspired and so liberated after talking to her. I promise you. This is the first guest that we've had on that's been a speaker on TEDx, which is amazing. Yeah, I feel like we finally made it in the podcast world. Well, let's bring on Mary. All right, guys. So we have Mary Jalkowski on the podcast today. She's known as Mary's Cup of Tea on social media. She's an amazing public speaker. She's a published author and she's a woman's retreat host. She's led thousands of women on their journey to healing body image struggles and finding true unconditional self-love. So basically she is a queen, but things weren't always so sweet for Mary. All of this came from her eight-year battle with an eating disorder that left her feeling lost, lonely, and broken. After finally deciding to heal her body, mind, and spirit, Mary started her online platform, Mary's Cup of Tea, to help women be more confident in their bodies and love themselves unconditionally. She's been featured in TEDx, Teen Vogue, and Health Magazine. Now, Mary is sharing her life story and her most sought-after advice in her new book, The Gift of Self-Love, a workbook to help you build confidence, recognize your self-worth, and learn to finally love yourself. 
Mary, I'm like pumped to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out to be here with us. Thanks so much, Jamie and Doug. I'm excited. Yeah. Okay. So we're obviously so excited to have you on here. I wanted to talk to you really about, you've been so open sharing your journey, you know, from when you were younger, struggling with an eating disorder to now choosing to like just love yourself and embrace yourself as you are. Can you share with all of our listeners just like that story from your own perspective? Yeah. Well, when I was like 11, I started really struggling with my body image. Um, I think it's part of being like first generation American with like immigrant parents and grandparents. And yesterday I was joking with a couple of girlfriends that grandmas will like feed you and then call you fat and then ask you why you're not eating enough. Right. Like grandmas are gaslighters. Um, <laughs> so true. And so, yeah, and my, my whole family's Russian. So I just grew up with a lot of pressure, like to be pretty, to be beautiful. And then now we're feminists. So like be smart and like go after your dreams. Right. So just like one thing after another. And yeah, I started really struggling with bulimia, although I didn't know it at the time. And so that was like on and off since I was 11. And when I got to high school, I was dating a football player and he got like really into the gym and our gym was actually like the lower story of my dance studio because I used to dance. And so I got really obsessive over it. I would like run three miles to the gym and then I would work out and then I would go to ballet and then I would dance for five hours. And then I would come home and I would just binge eat because I didn't eat anything since the cheese stick I had for lunch. Um, it was just like this constant vicious cycle. But then once I found like fitness and I ultimately quitting dance, which was one of the biggest regrets of my life that I quit my art and craft for that. But once I found fitness, I was like, okay, like this is the solution. If I could eat perfectly and control myself all the time and, you know, just be perfect and have the perfect body, then like I can cure my eating disorder. And it felt like a genius idea. And so I was like, so dedicated to it not because I wanted to heal my eating disorder, but because I wanted just the body, I guess. And yeah, I started competing when I was 16 in bikini fitness competitions. And that was like my senior year of high school because I'm young. I skipped a grade. So that was my senior year of high school. And then freshman year of college, I was competing. And then at a certain point, like it just felt like my body was shutting down. I don't know if it's because of just all the torture that I put it through since I was 11, but I was in the hospital with like multiple kidney infections because of all the shitty protein shakes I was drinking all the time and living off of. And, um, my binge eating was just like completely out of control and ruining my life. And I felt so isolated and I would sleep for days on end. And, you know, the only thing that would wake me up is like my mom driving over to my apartment and like pounding on my door. Cause she was so worried about me. And yeah, I just knew that like something had to give, like I had to change. And so, you know, I think in life it's so cool because it's always this weird divine chain of events. Like somebody knows something and things get connected. Right. So my coach who actually like contributed to my eating disorder and my very strict meal plan, his wife like stepped in and was like, yo, this girl's 17, 18, like she needs help. And she was working with like a naturopath. And then the naturopath that she happened to connect me with also competed and had like a very similar story to me. So not only did she serve as like 
a big part of my healing in the medical realm. Like she would do like my vitamin stuff and trying to balance my thyroid and hormones and everything that was just so messed up. But she just served as a a counselor and like a confidant to me and just reminding me that like everything will be okay. (laughs) Eventually just stop dieting. I remember she was like, get full fat Greek yogurt. Cause Greek yogurt is one of my binge foods for whatever reason. And I'm like full fat and you know, all these things that she's like, do not do cardio, <laughs> whatever you do, don't do cardio. Cause she was just, you know, she knew how my mind worked and the things that would just bring me back down into that cycle instead of getting better. So yeah, I ended up going on this whole healing journey over the past now five years and um, fully recovered from my eating disorder. Like eating is easy and fun and joyful and just made peace with my body and how it looks, even though, even after gaining like so much weight after doing that to myself. And yeah, I just started sharing my journey online and it's crazy how many people were like, oh my God, me too. Yeah, honestly, wow. that's exactly it. Like there are so many people who struggle. And I think everybody does it kind of silently. They don't necessarily share it because it's something that's perceived as like a weakness or an insecurity or there's a stigma attached to it. And I just love that you've been so open and honest about your journey because I genuinely know that, and I'm sure you know as well, that you're helping so many people. So thank you for being so transparent. And also how encouraging it is. So for anybody who may be listening to this that is struggling with an eating disorder right now, first of all, know that you're not alone. And It's just so encouraging to hear someone who's struggled with it, who has completely overcome it. I mean, that's so amazing, Mary. Seriously, congrats. I'm really proud of you. And speaking to the eating disorder, were you the one that recognized that you had an eating disorder or did somebody mention it to you? I think my naturopath was like, um, making yourself throw up as an eating disorder. (laughs) Like, I'm sure I, I knew it, but I didn't know that because here's the thing that's so messed up and so tricky eating disorders, or at least disordered eating, maybe not like full-blown eating disorders. Cause we kind of know that that's a real thing. That's not that good, but disordered eating is glamorized and encouraged and just a part of our society and our lifestyle. So even if somebody's like never diagnosed or they've never gone to those kinds of extremes, like I have, like We all know the feeling. I would bet every single person in the Western world knows the feeling of like, oh, I ate so much last night. I should like have a smaller breakfast this morning and maybe like go on a jog. Like Mm -hmm. we all know that, but like that's binging and purging. (laughs) That is literally punishing yourself for what you did last night and making food the enemy and making your body kind of this like punching bag, so to speak. And then kind of speaking to that, I mean, to take the leap to start competing, especially in something where you're showing off your body, I just think it's so interesting just looking back and uh, maybe you can speak to this better than I could, obviously, but were you ever happy with your body when you were competing versus how you feel about your body now? Okay, before we get into that, I do want to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, Trust and Will. And I never, ever thought of getting a trust or a will set up just because I always thought it was too complex. I always felt that I was younger, way younger than I actually am. And it was more of a grown up thing, but now I am a grown up. And I had, unfortunately, one recent event. So right after the new year, I 
found out that one of the guys I used to play college baseball with had passed away at the age of 40 from a heart attack. Now, there was no signs or symptoms beforehand. This was just something that came right out of the blue. And the first thing that I thought of was if I were to drop dead, where would my stuff go? Who would get everything or would they not get something if I didn't have a trust or a will set up? Who does my medical care? All of these things started passing through my head because I didn't have anything like this set up. And for Jamie and I, it was super easy to go to trustandwill.com, take the short quiz, and they actually customize the documents for your needs. Trust and Will takes all the complexity out of the equation. And at trustandwill.com, setting up an estate plan is super simple, convenient, secure. And for as little as $39, you can nominate guardians for your children, determine who gets your stuff, and plan for future medical care, all from the comfort of your own home. And normally hiring a traditional estate attorney can cost thousands. And they're always following this one-size-fits-all type of template. Trust and Will documents are designed by estate planning experts, and they're customized for the state that you live in and you can go online, take a simple quiz at trustandwill.com and they will come up with customized documents for you. They have customer support seven days a week. They're always available to answer any questions that you have while setting up your plan. And Trust and Will is the most trusted name in online estate planning. They have helped hundreds of thousands of people protect their families, their assets, and their legacy. And you can gain peace of mind by going to trustandwill.com slash HMCP to get 10% off plus free shipping of your customized legal documents. Don't wait. Go right now. 10% off plus free shipping at trustandwill.com slash HMCP. That's trustandwill.com slash HMCP. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get back to it. Yeah, that's a great question, Doug, because I think like, of course, there were times like you're on the stage, like you've made it. It's glamorous. There's makeup artists and photographers and so many likes on social media and so much business. I mean, like so many people just lose weight and then they're like, oh, I can teach other people how to do the same. And like, it sucks that I contributed to that. And so there are definitely moments where I was like, okay, like this is it, this making me high, but it's a drug. So it's like, does heroin make people happy? Like, I'm sure it does in the moment. But then when you're out of it and the high is gone and you're all alone and it's never enough and you always want more and you never feel good enough and you don't know how to get out, that's where you're like, okay, I was overall miserable. So a lot of people come to me and they're like, but Mary, I swear to you, I am happier when I am skinnier. And I'm like, well, are you happier or do you just kind of like show up differently because maybe you were made to think that the only way to be confident and happy is if you were skinnier. So that like in turn just like affected your actions. So what would happen if you showed up as that person, but in the body that you have right now? So it's just interesting. Like a lot of it, I think, is thought experiments and playing what if games, which is not what I'm here to do. But I think overall, like being happy and comfortable in your skin is really about finding peace and being able to like breathe and look at yourself and do other things without even thinking about what you look like doing them. And I think that aside from like diet culture and disordered eating and everything, I think we all live because it's kind of inevitable the way we live now. And I know I'm so susceptible and victim to this. And the reason why I'm in therapy, like constantly trying to reground myself, like we're constantly living our lives as an image 
So we're taking a selfie. We're posting on our stories. We're wondering, oh, what do I look like from this angle? We walk by a car window and we take a peep. We all do it. <laughs> we're like, what it is, right? And and so that causes us to like disconnect and dissociate from, we're so focused on like looking at our bodies and living our lives as an image that we forget to like feel in our bodies and Sometimes when I'm on calls like this, I haven't used Skype, but on Zoom, I turn off my like view because I'm like, this is not normal, right? In normal circumstances, if we're sitting together in a room, I wouldn't be looking at myself, but we all know our eyes wander to the upper right-hand corner. And so Me that's like constantly. what, <laughs> yeah, that's how we live. You're absolutely right. Like if you're walking down a street, this is like before pre-COVID, but you're walking down the street, you're going window shopping. Half the time you're looking at yourself in the reflection of the window as you're also looking at like whatever's in the window. <laughs> like that's what we do. And you're Facts. right. Like you're absolutely right about that. So I wanted to ask you, because I know that you had such a struggle with food and you mentioned yourself that you considered full fat Greek yogurt, you know, like <laughs> a luxury or like delicate, yeah. or, you know, or not delicate, but what's that? Deli- deli- Delicacy. Delicatessen. Del- yes. Thank you. <laughs> um, how did you kind of even begin to have the courage to take the step to healing your relationship with food, but also like, what were the steps that you took to actually do that? Because I'm sure that there are a lot of people listening who are like, wait a minute, like that is me. And maybe I don't have a full on eating disorder, but I definitely do have that disordered eating. Like you said, like I can think of everybody I know and as young as like, you know, like your sister's age, which I can't wait to chat a little bit about your little sister. But, you know, we do, we hear, and and I don't think grandmas do it to be, you know, to be mean or anything of that. It's just their culture and the way they grew up. But it's true. Like your aunt, like, I don't want to say aunt Karen to offend anybody whose name's Karen, but like, Aunt X is like, oh, did you gain some weight? Oh, what are you eating? Like at the Thanksgiving table or your grandma. And they're offended if you don't eat their meals. But then if you eat them, they go, oh, do you want a second serving? Like, are you sure, honey? looks like you've gained some weight. So how did you kind of conquer all of this? Yeah, you can't win. It feels like you can't win, but you can win. And I'm glad you asked about that intermediate step because I do believe that change isn't hard. It's the decision to change that's hard. And like the word used, which is so perfect, is courage. And it took a lot. I mean, (laughs) I ended up moving to another country because I was so in this and I thought there was no way to get out. And if I like went to the local sprouts, like farmer's market, somebody would see me and be like, oh my God, you got gained weight because it did happen. You know, communities get really tight knit and um, diet culture, the fitness community is really tight knit. You go to your same gym, you see the same people. Like it does feel like people are looking at you. But I think that I used to tell myself when I moved, I moved to Canada. I used to tell myself like, you can't be in that environment. You got sick. And I used to attribute a lot of my healing to being in Canada. I was like, you know, I was in the mountains and it was colder. So in Arizona, most people are like bikinis half the year, but in the mountains you're wearing sweaters. So at least I could kind of feel in my body instead of look at it all the time, feel like it was scrutinized. And a part of it's true. I'm sure that had something to do with it, but also like most of your environment isn't like a city or a state or a country. It's like the people you hang out around. And so Diet culture is like, unfortunately, it's everywhere. And I'm not saying we need to ditch all our diety friends, but we do need to be like very intentional about what do we talk to our friends about? What kind of conversations are we personally contributing to? Like, if you have a certain boundary or like trigger, like I know if somebody 
it's not even so much if somebody comments on my body, but if they comment on someone else's, especially if that's the first thing they say, like I was dating a guy before my now boyfriend, but I was dating a guy and this girl was running down the street and she's like, Oh, she's so skinny. And I'm like, why is that what you say when she's just running down the street? And he's like, well, it's just like true. Like I didn't mean it as an insult or a compliment or anything. Like I just pointed out what I was saying. I'm like, well, don't. <laughs> so just like having that conversation of like, I don't like that because you pointing out that the first thing you noticed about her was her body and then you felt the need to comment about it makes me feel like that's what not only you're noticing about me, but that like, we're just adding to that story, right. Of like, just noticing that kind of image driven stuff about people. So yeah, I think like the courage aspect, it was at a certain point on my podcast, I just had a gal named Caroline Duner and she's the author of the fuck it diet. And I very much had a fuck it moment. Like, fuck it. I'm already miserable. I'm already gaining weight with my bulimia. I remember like vowing to myself, so unconventional, by the way, please, like I'm not a a psychologist or therapist or even eating disorder recovery coach, but the unconventional approach that I took, I was like, okay, like I already know I'm bulimic. So what would happen if I like at least broke the cycle at one part and the part that was easiest to break or the only part that I suppose you can break is like that purging slash restriction part of the cycle, right? So I'm like, okay, like I'm going to eat anyways. I'm probably going to binge anyways, because I already know that I have no self-control, which is another story, but I use that in quotes. Um, But what I can do is not throw it up. Or what I can do is like not go do fasted cardio the next morning or vow to have a really balanced breakfast, no matter what. And I kept telling myself, no matter what, like that was the words I kept coming back to, like, no matter what, no matter what you do, you can't punish yourself for it. And it was a fuck it moment that like, I'm going to gain weight most likely, but I'm already like this. So what do I have to lose? You know, like I just want a different lifestyle. So I think you could tell from my whole story that I'm a little extreme, (laughs) that I'm kind of like an all or nothing person. But I think that it really helped me to take that unconventional approach because I don't know, I just felt like I didn't get stuck in it as long as other people do, because I found the light quickly. And once you see a little bit of light, you're like, okay, I can keep going. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wanted to touch real fast on the comments that you mentioned, like your boyfriend commented on that other girl's body when she was running. But I also wanted to ask, do you have any tips for those who are around somebody who makes a comment, whether it be my body or someone else's, like, what do you say? And more importantly, when it's somebody that you really, really love, like your grandma or your aunt, like how do you kind of hold those boundaries and let them know that it's not okay what they're saying, whether it's to someone else or to yourself? And I I think because we've spoke about this a couple of times, you know, it's not so much in my opinion, uh, again, this is just me, it's not so much on what to say, it's how to process it in a different way almost where, you know, because I hate when people call me too skinny. I still hate it. But instead of wanting to come back at the person, it's just how I interpret and receive it now where it's, it doesn't affect me as much, you know, like, am I really going to try to convince this one person, one random person and spend time thinking about what to say? Otherwise, can I change my mind to how I interpret it? Kind of a balance, I guess. I don't know if that's something that happened with you. Yeah, for sure. I think you already spoke to my answer. Like 
just using a little bit of emotional intelligence and depending what your relationship was like with that person, like using some social intelligence, isn't worth the fight. Like, could I have brushed it off? Yeah, I could, but I'm sassy and I say stuff. So if you're comfortable like doing that and speaking up, like that's great. And sometimes it's not worth the fight. I think where people struggle the most is like what Jamie mentioned, like when it's your family, when it's constant, when it's like a good friend, like I had a friend that I used to compete with and we're still friends. And unfortunately I grew out of it and she didn't really, she doesn't compete, but she's still kind of focused, not so much on like the body and fitness thing, but just the image thing in general. We have a lot of LA culture here in Arizona. It like trickles down. I mean, everybody knows LA culture. It's like what we see on Instagram, but I had to like tell her many times, just keep setting that boundary of like, Hey, I don't appreciate comments like this. And this is why, and they really hurt me. And when you talk down to your body, I remember one thing that really worked. I was like, can we just promise to only say kind things about ourselves? And when we're in front of each other, I told her, I was like, when you call yourself fat, for example, I am objectively larger than you. My first thought is, what do you think of me? She's like, well, it's not about you. It's just me and blah, blah. And it's like, but that's fat phobic and literally makes me feel like shit. So stop. And so I think when you phrase it like that, because it's true, we've all had that feeling like people can empathize with that. And depending on your relationship with the person, like, you know what to say. I think like a lot of people ask me this and I often say like, well, you know what to say. Like we all know how to express our feelings and use the I statements. We learn this kind of stuff, right? Especially if you're, you know, doing self-healing work. And then the hardest part and the part I work on with my therapist all the time is holding people accountable to those boundaries. So like not just telling them that one time, but then actually letting them know that there's going to be some kind of consequence with my friend. We don't hang out anymore. We text sometimes, but we don't hang out anymore because it's just not something that, you know, adds value to my life and my mental health. And sometimes you just have to weigh out your costs and benefits and just see if it's really worth putting yourself through, I guess. It's almost like staying away from triggers. You know, just if you have a a disorder, an addiction, it's separating yourself from those triggers, really. Yeah. And when I was doing this a couple of years ago, I was like, okay, I'm cutting out anybody who's dieting and all this stuff. And I had a mentor who said something like, you know, we've really like popularized just like dropping people and like obviously cancel culture is a thing, a different thing. But like we talk a lot about like unfollow people and cut them out of your life and don't deal with this and don't deal with that. But I think that's not even so much the issue as much as it is like we need to find different ways to connect with people. It's not about getting rid of them completely, but it's about like human relationships. (laughs) Well, you said it's like creating those boundaries, you know, and if the person likes you enough and is a true friend uh, or a true acquaintance, then they'll respect those boundaries. And anybody that doesn't, then, you know, that's it. And I know you have a little sister and just as I'm an oldest child, so I try to set a good example for my brother and sister and probably didn't on many occasions, but has she struggled with anything that you're going through or does she kind of see you as the person that you became? Mm. Um, well, I can only speak to what I see because I'm not completely in her head. A few years ago, she did have some moments and, and we did have to have some conversations and cry and she was getting bullied at school. And I would say even probably more so than I did at that age. And then she kind of like flipped a switch 
And I don't know what happened, but she like found herself. We're officially at that point where she realized that she's a lot cooler than me. Now (laughs) I beg her to hang out and she usually says no. Um, I'm hanging out with my friends and I'll see you on Friday. We have, I mean, we have a set date, but I ask her like often and she just has a style. Like she has a vibe. She's in a curvier body. Like she's by no means thin, but she like just owns it. And I think finding her own style for a girl in middle school, I think that's helped so much, like, you know, going thrifting and ordering some things on Amazon and she's big on jewelry and that kind of stuff on the more superficial level. But she's a lot more resilient than I was at that age. I'm going to start crying, but she's just this light and she's the most accepting, forgiving person that I know and super like woke for lack of better words. And so even though like she struggled with some body image related things, like so many people do, and she spends a lot of time on the internet, on the TikToks and whatever. um, And that worries me, but I just feel like this generation of children, I know we like to shit on younger generations, but they truly inspire me. Like the Gen Zers, her friends, not all of them, but most of them are just, I feel like they just know something we don't. I was reading this, like, I think it's like not astrology, but something like universe spiritual related. Yeah. And they were saying like, we're entering the age of like social justice and people really caring about one another. And for centuries, and we see this with the wars and how we treat each other online. And, you know, I remember getting bullied on like ask FM. Do you remember that? It's like where you can anonymously ask each other questions and people just send hate mail. But these kids are just really care about, mental health and they care about each other. It's really beautiful, at least from my perspective. Well, I think you're contributing to that though. And people like you seriously, because they wouldn't have the example if more people like you didn't speak up. Yeah. And honestly, I think that you have set a beautiful example for your sister. And I think that, you know, obviously I'm sure your parents have played a role too, but I think that you've played a huge role in your sister owning her body and coming into herself. So, you know, everything that you went through, it's not for nothing because maybe it helped your sister not have to battle that nearly as long. I feel like you should be proud of that. Thank you. Um, The other thing that I really wanted to ask you real fast, you touched on fat phobia earlier. I wanted to real fast get your definition of fat phobia and what that means and and how someone can recognize it in themselves, but in others and then kind of combat it. Mm -hmm. I think, well, first I just want to address the elephant in the room that if you've never heard that word before or even the word fat, let alone fat phobia. Like I think it brings up a lot for people. We instantly feel really, it took me a while to even like say it out loud. And that is, it just speaks to that, the way we feel about that word. And basically fat phobia is the fear or hatred of fat bodies and therefore like fat people. And so it has aspects of social justice in it, which I'm no expert on. So I won't go down that route, but Fat phobia is basically like the fear of gaining weight is fat phobic because we think that if we gain weight, then we're going to be ugly and unlovable and all the things that come with it because that's what our society has perpetuated for a while. And it's, it's really sad because we've been fed like this 
I'm not going to say lie because people will come at me, but we've been fed this idea that in academia, they call it neoliberalism, that basically you are in charge of the results that you create. And I think the spiritual new age community has very much like hopped on it. They're like, if you can believe it, you can achieve it. And I used to be so in that and it has helped me heal and it's had a place in my life and I still study. I mean, I'm certified in hypnosis and NLP and um, that is my jam. But the aspects of it that are not my jam is that we blame people when they can't achieve something in their life when a lot of it is very much systemic or genetic or has to do with how wealthy your parents are or what your circumstances are. If you're a single mom trying to feed four kids, like, fuck yeah, you're going to go through the drive-thru at McDonald's. That's what I would do too. And so a lot of people, I think in the wellness, spiritual community, they're like, well, you know, cooking healthy is easy and here's how I do it and all this stuff. But we don't acknowledge like the privileges we have. And we all have our own set of them, some more than others. So I think that like this neoliberal model of like everything is in our control is very deceiving because that's not the case. And there's research to back this, that so much of it has to do with our environment, like down to the things like the air quality, where we breathe, the neighborhood that you live, certain neighborhoods have lower air quality because there are businessmen that put plants there because they know that the land is cheap and the people are poor and they can't do anything about it. And so that plays into your body, your health. And, you know, healthism is like another thing that perpetuates fat phobia, like this idea that everybody needs to be obsessed with their health. But like, what if you're just trying to survive the day and feed your family? And so that's what like I have an issue with when people just make judgments about other people's bodies and their health status when they know nothing about like the lives they lived. And so I think that's an important part, like the social justice aspect and an important part to acknowledge to yourself and realize that the reason why you're so scared of gaining weight or quote, getting fat is not because you're, what is the word? Shallow (laughs) or because like you're doomed. It's because this is what we've been taught. And so we have to start like unlearning that. And the only way to unlearn that is to look at fat bodies neutrally, follow them on Instagram, see them doing this amazing stuff. Lizzo shows she is the healthiest, most in shape person. That woman, I watched a video on her, like her shows are hours and hours long. Like my boyfriend gets tired after like five minutes in the bedroom. Like we both do. (laughs) Maybe not just that. We both do, right? You're like, "Ah, I'm panting. And right. But then we have this misconception that all thin people are healthy and all fat people are not healthy. And that's not true. It's just not true. Like then people, I, I don't know, a thinner person can eat a burger and do drugs and drink and nobody bats an eye and a fat person just breathes and exists and everybody has an issue with it and just jumps on to bully and harass them. And even if you're like, well, I'm not bullying and harassing them. Like, I just think they need to take care of their health. You're bullying and harassing them in your head. You're making assumptions. And so just recognizing that in yourself, it is the most difficult thing that I've ever done because I was deep in fitness. I was a personal trainer. Like I told you, I was in that spiritual community too. Like this was something that like I did not want to face for a while. And I just was in such resistance to, but the second that I did, it helped me make peace with my own body because the thing about self-compassion and the research that we know about self-compassion is that the more we have it for ourselves, the analogy I use is like self-compassion and self-love. It's one tank. There's not like two separate, like this is for me and this is for you. It's one tank. So the more of it you have for others, the more you have for yourself and vice versa. It's a cycle and it's a beautiful cycle. And that's the cycle we want to perpetuate as 
as opposed to diet cycle and fat phobia and hating on people. Preach, girl. Yeah, really. Oh, I like have a, oh, it's so good. I want to be like, like <laughs> raise my hand, raise the roof. That's so and, lame. And you, you know <laughs> I'm glad you of, feel that way because that's big. It's yeah, big. Yeah. You, you know what's kind of weird though is if this were back in like the caveman days or medieval days, like the heavier people were considered royalty. That's a whole other, you know, like it's, can go to I know, but it's because. so strange how it flipped. Yeah. Yeah. It continues to flip continuously. Like, you know, 20 years ago, Twiggy was a supermodel and like that was the ideal body. Right. And then now if you were to ask who is like, cause I did, I asked, uh, who is like our sex symbol now? And it's like Kim Kardashian with all the curves and whatnot. And Not to me. Both Twiggy, Kim Kardashian, Lizzo, they're all absolutely beautiful. And they're all, you know, like some women have naturally skinnier bodies. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But some women like Lizzo have naturally fatter bodies and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And to the people, what irks me the most is when people say, oh, but you're promoting an unhealthy lifestyle. And like, that's another (laughs) like tangent we could go down. And I know that you have to get going, so we won't. But man, it's been so great to have you on here. But before I let you go, I just want to make it clear that just because you're embracing your body as it is, whether it's, you know, in your head or someone else's head, it's perceived as quote unquote fat, or you have more cellulite or you have more body rolls or a bigger pant size. It does not mean that you're encouraging an unhealthy lifestyle. It means that you are finally loving and accepting yourself and you might very well be the healthiest you've ever been. So, okay. On that note, I just wanted to make sure that was not left unsaid, but oh my gosh, Mary, I adore you. I've adored you from afar for quite some time now. So thankful that you are so patient with us to get you on this podcast. Uh, For everyone listening, I know they are dying to be able to figure out where they can find you and follow you. And honestly, like what kind of stuff can they buy from you and how can they support you? Because And congrats on the book and everything. Yeah. I mean, you're killing it in life. I'm like so proud of you. So yeah, please tell everybody where they can find you. Thank you so much. Y'all exude so much love. I love it. And yeah, happy to be flexible. It's not a problem. This is my favorite thing to do. My favorite thing to do is like podcasting. (laughs) It is so fun, right? But I just wrote a book. Well, I've been writing it for over a year and it just came out. It's called The Gift of Self-Love and it's available for pre-order until March 23rd, 2021. And then it is officially out March 23rd. Um, So it is everywhere. Walmart, Amazon, Target, so proud of you. Good for you. Oh, thank you so much. So the beauty of the book, the one thing I want to make sure people know is that it's very much created as a workbook. And so you're not just reading another self-help book. You're just going on a self-love journey with yourself. And it's gorgeous. Like if you see the cover, I think you've saw the cover. It's so beautiful. Like I can't believe that's my book. So yeah. And then I'm Mary's cup of tea across the board. I mostly hang out on Instagram trying to get into the TikTok, but my sister's like, Manya, stop. Like you're not cool. You need to make your videos faster and this and that. And I'm like, okay, well teach me how to be cool. And it's, it's a thing. (laughs) And she's like, well, you're doing great as long as you're doing your best. And it's like, that's when you know you're uncool is when somebody's like, you're doing your best. Okay. <laughs> Especially your little sister that tells you you're doing great. You're doing your best. I know. Like, I'm sorry, Doug, you're an older sibling. Your siblings should like be proud to hang out with you. <laughs> no, right. I'm joking. We're in love with each other, but we definitely pick on each other. <laughs> okay. And so also I know you say you have a podcast, like tell the people every place they can find you. Feel free. Give yourself a little pat on the back. This is your time to shine. 
Oh, thank you. I always fail to talk about the podcast. I forget I have it, even though it's like the main thing. But yeah, I have a podcast, also the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. It's all about self-love and so many different aspects, not just body image related, but also like relationships and mental health and feminism and money. We're going to be talking about money soon. And yeah, like intuitive eating and just everything in that realm, anything self-love related and women's empowerment related is on the podcast, which is also Mary's cup of tea. Wonderful. Well, Mary, thank you so very, very much for being here and just spilling it all and like getting my heart all amped. It was so, so great to chat with you. Thank you, Jamie. Thanks, Doug. It's been great. Great meeting you. All right. We'll talk to you soon, Mary. Good luck with your book launch. I, for one, will absolutely be pre-ordering it as soon as we get off this interview. Yep. Means the world to me. Thank you. Bye, all. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Oh, she seems so young, right? I mean, she's like our age, I think. Yeah. And it's very interesting anytime you see and hear from someone that's been on both sides of kind of self-healing and love and eating disorders. I mean, going from someone that is competing in bikini contests to be somewhat unhappy with what she's doing and recognizing the eating disorder and now loving herself. It's just, it's really inspiring and it does show hope and it does take people like her to really speak on topics that, you know, isn't so spoken about. Absolutely. I honestly love following her and her journey. And I just feel like you can just tell she walks the talk, you know, like she's really trying to help herself, but also help others by like setting a positive example for them. And I just really adore her. I'm I'm yeah. so thankful we were able to get her on the podcast because I really think that, you know, those of you guys listening, I hope that you felt like as much passion and energy as I did because, uh, I mean, that's like, that's what I'm talking about. But yeah, yeah so for those of you guys listening also, please... I want to let you know that I have started a whole new page is called at become body positive, And I would love to have you join me. I'm also launching my course become body positive. It's going to be something that's very, very much like for beginners who are just kind of fed up with someone telling them they're fat, themselves telling them they're fat, never feeling good enough, never feeling skinny enough. And we're just going to dive deep into like loving yourself, forgiving yourself for saying so many mean things about yourself, but then doing tangible activities together every single week where we kind of combat this type of mindset. And it's not easy. It's not going to happen overnight. This course is a six-week course. I'm going to be going on Facebook, doing Facebook Lives every single week to answer some questions that you might have to support you. I'm going to create like little groups within this group so that you guys can lean on each other to support each other as well. I'm just so excited about this course, Become Body Positive. So Jamie hasn't ever worked as hard on anything in her entire life until Become Body Positive. And I am watching her go from morning, noon to after midnight working on this. So she spent a lot of time creating this course, but there's a free webinar that you can sign up for. She's made it super easy for you to sign up and register for the free webinar, which is jamieotis.com backslash BBP for Become Body Positive. So jamieotis.com backslash BBP. It's a free webinar. You'll learn a lot. And I really hope that you guys join. As always, you can find us over at Hot Marriage Cool Parents on Instagram. You can find me at Jamie N. Otis on Instagram and Douglas, my hubby, at Doug Hayner. We love you and wear a mask and definitely stay tuned for next week where we have my parents on again to give their expert Married at First Sight recaps 
along with another fantastic guest. Yeah, we have another, I don't know if you've noticed, but we have a theme going with all body positivity and all the different realms like self-love and self-acceptance. And I can tell you guys are loving it. I love it too, which is exactly why I created that course, Become Body Positive, because I think that we all need more of that in our life. So yes, I'm pumped. Next week, we're going to have Trisha Taylor on. She's a mama who was told that if she gets pregnant, she could very well die. She has a brittle bone disease. So, you know, she's someone who has struggled with disability her whole life. She went on to have, I don't, spoiler alert, she went on to have a baby. She's going to share her story and her ways that she has learned to just have self-love and body acceptance. And she's probably had overcome far more than any of us ever would have to, being that she's living in a disabled body. And two feet, 10 inches tall. Yeah. She's just a force to be reckoned with at two feet, 10 inches tall. And I am so excited to get her on to have her share her story. Yes. We love you and see you next week. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.